Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's Word and His presence to change your life. How's everybody doing? Are you sure? All right. Look at your neighbor. I'm going to make you talk to him like I always do. Look at your neighbor and say, you look good today. If you don't know them, don't do that. That's weird. And um, look at your other neighbor and say, you look good, but you need a little Jesus today. Hey, we're really glad that you're here. My name's Keith. I'm the campus pastor. So glad that you've joined us here at Renew Life Church uh, today. I I wanted to share just before I get to the message and just what I felt like was happening uh, during during worship, I was reminded of uh, this this scripture. Uh, as we were as we were worshiping, I felt like uh, that you know we were singing that third song. Um, uh, well, I can't remember it now, but it's pretty much as we lift up the name that His glory fills this place. And I got the picture of of His glory being water, and that it was it was water, and it was kind of like oh, a little like shin height. It was it was in and it was I pictured it in the actual room that His glory was in the room. And I just began to pray, Lord, that, that I said, Lord, I pray that your glory would rise, that the waters of your glory would rise. Um, I, sometimes I do this just to make sure I'm, I'm praying scripturally right. Uh, I, I, I use the tool that we should all use, Google. And I got on and I, and I Googled the waters of his glory. And I want to I read this scripture to you. It's in Habakkuk 2, verse 14. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now, you, you'll remember the rest. As the waters cover the sea. That we would be filled with the, glory, the, the knowledge of the glory of God. As the waters cover the sea. What an amazing scripture. I believe, um, <laughs> I believe today that even right now as you're sitting down, you're sitting in the glory. Come on, someone say Amen. I believe you're sitting in the glory, the glory of God. Um, even, even just what I saw in my mind is that I, it, it just began to rise. And I'm like, Lord, I, I want it to be waist height. I want it to be chest high, chest deep over our head, that we actually live in the glory of God. Um, just uh, I don't even know necessarily the best way to describe it, that we, but that we're amazed at him constantly, that we're that we're soaking in his presence, that we're playfully worshiping him in his house. You know, that's what we're here to do today, is actually to talk about him, think about him, point to him, um, uh, make sure we're becoming like him. In other words, it's all about him. It's all about his glory. Just get under the water and enjoy it. Amen? So I want you just to be, become aware. In fact, I feel like even right now, let's just, let's just go to the Lord in, in prayer Um, And just ask him to fill us, Lord, we thank you that your glory is here. That we get to sit in your glory. The magnificence of of who you are. And we don't want to move. We don't want to get out. We, We want to, if I could even say it this way, we want to swim in your glory. We just thank you for your presence here today. Your presence that it um, it does what what your presence does what no one else's presence can do. 
And we just commit to you today that today is all about you. It's all about what you want to do, what you want to do in us, what you want to do in our church, what you want to do through me and speak through me. It's just all about you. Yeah, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. If you agree, say amen. Amen, amen. If you have your Bible, open up to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 14. We're going to have a little bit of a read here, um, but I couldn't take any of it out because it just was so good. Uh, I absolutely love this chapter in, in Philippians. This is Paul talking, and, and notice what he says here in verse 1. He says, Whatever happens, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things, and I do it to safeguard your faith. Watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil, those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. For we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Now, I want to stop right there and just, I think you're starting to get the idea and already where, where Paul is, is headed. All right, first of all, you're kind of jumping in midway through the letter that he's written to the church in Philippi. So he's already, he's already, uh, he's already preaching, let me just say it like that. He's not, he's, this is not an easy introduction to his message, right? He's already gotten along down the way, and he's, he's letting people, I mean, he's, he's straight up calling people dogs. Let's just start with that, right? He is on it, right? He's, he's fiery preaching right here. And what he begins to describe is he's, he's trying to describe to, to you that, that it's, it's not what, what religion used to say that, that, that makes you right. Religion says, hey, you need to be a Jew. You need to be circumcised. This is what gets you into the kingdom. This is what gets you into heaven. This is what gets you into relationship with God. And here Paul is coming preaching a message of grace. Come on, say grace. He's preaching grace. He's preaching grace to these people. And he's saying, hey, um, don't listen to them dogs who say you have to do it the old way. He's saying that there's there's a new way in Christ Jesus to come into the kingdom and to become a son and a daughter of the Most High. And he says, we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are really, truly sons and daughters. And then he makes a big statement. He says, we, say that's me. (laughs) He says, we rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. I just want that to get all over us today. No confidence. We should put no confidence in our human effort. In other words, it's all about what Jesus has done for us, not about what we do for him. Come on, I'm going to say that again. It's all about what Jesus has done for us, not about what we have done for him. You know what religion teaches us? Religion teaches us that it's all about what we can do for him. Ooh, I feel like I didn't even start my message out. I just jumped in halfway. Religion says, what can you do for God? Religion teaches, churches teach, what can you do for God? When the Bible teaches all about what Jesus did for you and me. It's all about him. And when when you actually begin to grab a hold of what he did for you, 
that's when you actually start to do things for him in the right heart. It's, it's, it's realizing all that he did for you that inspires you and motivates you to start living for him. You want to you wanna know how you, you actually like, you, you, you fall into this place where you really like to pray? Look at Jesus. Realize you're talking to Jesus. Realize you're in relationship with Jesus. Let his grace motivate you. Let, let the fact that you're not condemned today, that you're not shameful today, that you, there's no sin on you whatsoever. You say, Pastor, I sinned. I, I'm sinning right now because I'm, I'm not listening to you. No, I'm kidding. I'm sinning. I'm sinning. I sinned on the way here. Yeah, yeah. It was covered by the blood of Jesus before you ever did it. As a believer, it was covered. And in that place of knowing who you are in him, in that place of recognizing I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, in that place, all of a sudden what is birthed on the inside of you is, is this desire to actually live for him. It's what we all desire our kids to do. We don't want them to help us around the house and take care of things and do things because uh, uh, we don't want to have to tell them to do it every single second. We actually want that, that somewhere down the road, somewhere, for goodness sakes, down the road, that they would actually catch the fact that, you know what, this is my house, this is my family, and I want to serve and love and I want to obey for the right reasons. Not just because I told you, not just because I tell them to, but because they love mom and dad. They get it. <laughs> this is the gospel. Now, Paul goes into, to, um, <laughs> it's really, really funny. He goes in, if I could say it this way, he goes into bragging about himself. He says, we put, uh, we put no confidence in our human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Can I read it with just a little bit of sarcasm today? Because it would make me really happy if I could. You actually can't tell me I can't, so I'm going to go to and do it anyway. Um, <clears throat> he says, we put no confidence in human effort, though I could have confidence in my own effort if anyone could. Indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew if there ever, ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. And I love where he goes in verse 7. I once thought these things were valuable. But now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. For God's way of making us right with himself does not depend on your works, does not depend on if you cuss or not, does not depend on how many view version plans that you read. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. 
so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. If you're an athlete, you're going to know these next few verses. I don't mean to say that I've already reached, I've already achieved these things or that I have already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection, which is grace, for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Some good words by Paul. Today I I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you about what it looks like to live out of desperation and dependence upon the Lord. What does it look like to live desperate for him? What does it look like to to live completely dependent upon Jesus? In fact, if you're taking notes today, the two words I would have you write down are desperation and dependence. Desperation and dependence. Dependence upon him. What does that look like? Today I'll, I'll title the message, Fully Dependent on Grace. Fully dependent on grace. Um, I'll ask you this question today. Have you, have you ever been in a place where you were desperate for something good to happen? Any of you ever been in that place where you're just like desperate for, for just something good to happen? Maybe, maybe it was something financially. You needed a financial breakthrough. Maybe you needed some direction in your life. Oh, come on. If you, if, if you lived between 18 and 25, you were desperate for some direction in your life, right? You went to college, didn't find it. You, it was just like, you know, what am I doing with my life? If you're 37 like me and you're still looking, just raise your hand. I am desperate. For, no one's going no to admit it. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll hold both hands up for, for some of you. All right. We're always kind of desperate looking for a direction in our life, desperate to uh, maybe get some wisdom in an area. Uh, I know many people who are desperate to have a kid. I know many people who are desperate because of their kids. <clears throat> exactly. We, we, we all know what it's like to be desperate. We've all been in that place where you want something so bad, you're willing to do whatever it takes to get it. You know, that's what we've discovered about, you know this about desperate people. Desperate people do desperate things. They do things that are out of the ordinary. Desperate people, they, they, they risk it. They sacrifice. They, they sacrifice time and money, and, and they, they, they even look a little bit crazy sometimes. When you're really desperate and you really want something, you act differently than you normally do. You do things that you wouldn't normally, ordinarily do, would, do you? It's, it's a part of being desperate. I, um, I remember one of the most desperate times I had for God uh, was when I was 16 years old, and I went to, uh, it's, it's kind of funny, I went to a, a conference. It was called Desperation Conference. It's in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and um, at New Life Church. It was just an amazing youth conference. I got to actually go in the first couple of years it ever started. It went on for years and years and years, impacted many, many children um, and youth for the Lord. Uh, Just an amazing, um, amazing conference. But I went the first year, I think I was around 15 years old, went the first year, 
And it was, it was the first time, I remember the very first song or very first worship set, it was the first time I ever lifted my hands in a worship. You know, I was always trying to be the cool kid, the back row Baptist, the one in the back trying to be cool, never, never really getting involved. I was too cool to raise my hands, too cool to really show my love for the Lord. Well, when you go into a room with thousands of kids and they're jumping and lifting their hands for God, guess what? The, the walls come down and I, I was able to lift my hands freely and worship him. It was one of the most amazing experiences of my, of my life. It was, it was a lot of breakthrough for me. Completely changed me. <clears throat> the, the Lord moved the whole week that I was there. Well, the second year I go, um, I, I had a completely different experience. I go and I'm kind of looking for that high that I got the year before. Anybody ever gotten that youth camp high before? And you're just like, you go back looking for it and it just wasn't the same. Amazing speakers coming. I mean, I'm watching, I'm watching all kinds of things in the spirit break out. I'm watching kids fall flat on their back without anyone touching them. I mean, God's moving in the place and I'm, I'm just standing there like I might as well have been at McDonald's. I mean, it was just like I, I, I didn't feel anything. I wasn't experiencing anything. And for a 16-year-old kid, I didn't know where to put that. You know, what mo, you know where most of us, what most of us do with situations like that? Here's where we put it. I've done something wrong. I messed up. I must have sinned too much. God won't touch me. This is the place that I was in. Waiting for God to move, waiting for God to move. Finally, the last night of this conference, I can't remember the pastor who actually got up, but he began to teach on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, um, and began to teach on just receiving the Holy Spirit, getting filled with him, speaking in tongues, he, he went down the whole thing, and he gave an invitation at the end. <clears throat> and, and so I, I run up to the altar to get baptized in the Spirit. And as I'm up there, there's, there's hundreds of kids up there at the altar, and I'm seeing the Lord touch them as this guy's praying for them. They started to give us instruction just to begin to praise him and do some different things. And I'm seeing the Holy Spirit just kind of like light fires all over these kids all around me. And I'm having the same experience that I'd had the whole conference. I'm standing there, nothing's happening. I'm not feeling anything. And I mean, just the Lord is breaking out. And I came to a desperate moment. I so badly wanted the Lord. I'll never forget this. I just... Um, I could probably go back to that sanctuary and find pretty close to where I was standing. <clears throat> and without anybody around, with, without anybody help, no one praying for me, I just remember I, I, I planted my feet in that spot, in that sanctuary. And I told the Lord, I said, I'm not moving until I get what I, what I came up here for. And with my 16-year-old brain, you know what that meant? The, the bus can leave tomorrow, and if you hadn't touched me, I'm staying in Colorado. I ain't going to IHOP with everybody else after the conference. I'm not going to the hotel room. I will stay flipping right here. That's what I, I meant it. And the moment I planted my feet, and the moment I told the Lord, and I surrendered to him, and I called out in desperation, is the moment that he touched me. And he fell on me so hard that day that I began to weep and fell to my knees, just exploding in tongues. 
and just baptized me like nobody else could baptize me. It completely shifted the course of my life. I'm here today preaching because of that moment. I went back and changed my friend group. I went back, started evangelizing, you know, everyone I could come in contact with. I went back condemning my parents and everybody, just judgment all over the place. You need Jesus. Why are you living this way? I mean, it wasn't right, but I was on fire. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Buddy, you rocked me. I'll say this before I go on. Some of you need that experience. Some of you need your own experience like that with him. If you are not baptized in the Spirit, you don't have your prayer language, you need it. Am I saying that you're going to go to hell if you don't have it? Nope, I'm not. I'm just saying you need it. Because Scripture actually teaches that it's the power of God that comes upon you in that moment. Some of you are wondering why you can't seem to live the life that you want to live after God. You can't seem to get control of your flesh. You can't seem to get over that sin. If you're not, if you don't have, if you have not been baptized in the Holy Spirit with power, you have no power to actually do it. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Yes, you do. He is in you when you, when you, when you are saved. When you accept Jesus, he comes in you. But he comes upon you when you get baptized in the Spirit. He told his disciples, I didn't plan to go here, but we're going there. He told his disciples, he said, wait here in Jerusalem. Wait here for the Holy Spirit to come to to be poured out on you. Why? And when when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive, how many know your your Bible? You will receive power. You'll receive power. In fact, he told them, wait, wait until I send the Holy Spirit. Don't go out and start preaching the gospel. Don't go out doing anything until you have him because you won't have the power to do it. Come on, somebody. You need that moment. There's people in this church who can walk you through that. (laughs) But that moment completely changed me. I learned a couple things in that moment. As I look back on that Life-changing moment in my life, I learned some things. Number one, you know what I learned? I learned that our desperation moves God. Your desperation moves him. Your desperation, it moves the heart of God. You want to know why it moves the heart of God? Because in our most desperate moments, I believe are the moments that we, re- we release the most faith. It's, 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 I'm so desperate for you. I have, I have nothing else to lean on. I have no one else to go to. I, I, Lord, I need you to come through. You're going to have to do something. And I'm not talking about making God do anything, but I am talking about the, the fact that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I am talking about how God actually, it says that we, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. How how, how do we inherit the promises? Faith. Patience. What does God, when does God actually respond to us? When we release our faith. Faith is what? Faith is what draws heaven down to earth. Grace is what provides it. I love this analogy. Grace is, You know what grace does? Grace makes everything available to us. 
It's, it's, it's like, here's what grace did. It took all of God's promises. That Here's what Jesus did for us. Here's what grace did for us. It took all of God's promises and put it in our bank account. And you know what faith is? Faith is the debit card that you swipe to receive the promise. We release our, our, the only thing that we really have to do is have faith. You say it's that simple? It's that simple. You mean I don't have to, I don't have to, do, I don't have to pray like five hours every day, at least an hour a week? No, no. Faith. And that's what, desper- I, that, that, that to me is what I mean by desperation today. It's in these moments of desperation that I believe we release faith. It was in that moment when I stood there and I said, Lord, I'm not moving until you do something. He knew I meant it. He knew I meant that. But it was also this thing where, oh, I so believe you want to touch me and that you will. I'm, un, I'm unwilling to move. Is this making sense to you today? You see, it's our, desperate, our desperation. It moves the heart of God. But what I also learned from that moment, and it's what I really want to hit on today, I learned that God actually loves to lead us to places of desperation and full dependence upon him. I don't know if you've figured this out about God yet, but he likes to mess with us. He likes to bring growth to our life, doesn't he? There's some challenging things about following Jesus. There was a, there was a reason he said, pick up your cross and follow me daily. Um, you know, he, he, didn't say, he didn't say pick up your Diet Coke and follow me daily. He said pick up your cross. What, none of y'all drink Diet Coke? Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Come on, raise your hand if you drink Diet Coke. What, raise your hand if you drink Diet Dr. Pepper. What, raise your hand if you say forget all that diet stuff, give me the real thing. Raise your hand if you drink Coors Light. I'm just kidding, don't do it. <laughs> I get you popping your hands up, I can get you, watch out. <clears throat> I'm just kidding. No, um, too many jokes. Stay away from the Bud Light jokes. Stay away from the Bud Light jokes. Okay. It is this. It is that kind of church. Yep. <clears throat> I will say things that make you uncomfortable because it just makes me happy. I don't know why. I just I like it. <clears throat> but this is. It's what God said. He said, "Pick up your cross." He he actually leads us. This so helps me, and I hope it helps you. It helps me to know how God actually works. It should help you to know how he actually does things. And you know what he does? On purpose, he leads us into places where we get desperate for him. He leads us into places where we have to become fully dependent. Actually, here's what he does. He he gives us opportunity to become fully dependent upon him. If you want to stay where you want to stay in comfortability and not grow and just come to church and feel good when you leave and whatever, you can actually do that. You can stay there. But God's always, it's almost like he's behind us just pushing us forward. Will you take the next step of faith? Will you do the next thing? Why? Because he's wanting to push us into places where we become fully dependent upon him. 
Why do we need to become fully dependent upon him? Because the just shall live by faith. I don't need faith in my comfortability. I don't need it. I'm good. I'm happy. Got my favorite church. Got my favorite restaurant when I leave church. Got my favorite Bible study, which, which could all be amazing things. But you have to ask yourself, am I, am I living by faith? See, because I believe this about God. He, he wants to put us in places that we become fully dependent upon him. Upon him. So I've, got, I've actually got really good news for you today. If life is hard and challenging for you, you're probably doing something right. If you find yourself in a place where he is growing you and it hurts a little bit, that's a good thing. If you find yourself in a place where if he doesn't show up, you're out of luck, well done. These are the places that he calls us to. You say, well, but pastor, when I raised my hand when I was 16 and gave my life to Jesus, I didn't know it was going to be like this. Too bad he got you. <laughs> he sucked you in. And I'm not saying that he wants us to be miserable. I'm not saying that... He, he wants it to be hard just to be hard. In fact, I'll give you my, my disclaimer today. Here's for sure what I'm not saying. He never brings sickness, tragedy, death, any, anything that is of the enemy. He never brings that upon you to teach you this lesson. That is not him. He's not, he's not making you poor so that you learn how to trust him. It's not what he's doing. He doesn't use those things. But he does test our faith, doesn't he? He does take us into places. Scripture says he tests our faith. He will test things like what you believe. And he'll put you in circumstances and he'll put you in places where, where he'll make you figure out what you really believe. Anybody ever gone through that? Where it's like, I, I know what my parents believe. I know what I've been saying out of my own mouth that I believe. But that actually puts you in places where you have to decide, do I really believe that? I'll never forget my wife Natalie coming to me. Or I, I came to her in our first year of marriage telling, talking to her about tithing. You need to, are you tithing? We need to tithe. She's like, why? I'm like, because you're supposed to. <laughs> yeah, but, but where is that in Scripture? Somewhere. Somewhere in there. And I didn't know. I just did it because I grew up doing it. I do what most of y'all do. You turn your ears off as soon as the pastor starts talking about money. Which I'm going to do at the end of the service today. Why don't you go ahead and prepare your offering now? No, I'm kidding. <clears throat> but I had to figure out what I believe. The Lord will do that. He will test you in that area. You know what else he'll do? He'll test your obedience. He'll test your sacrifice. How much are you willing to sacrifice? Your faithfulness. When you become the boss, do you still get to work on time? When no one else is over, I'm preaching to myself right now. I've been late for a while now. He'll test your ability to love others. 
You want to know how he does that? By putting you around people. You know, you know how he did that? You were born. He'll test you with the sin still in your life. He'll talk to you about your character. See, I got good, good, really good news for you. You're, you're not, the discomfort that you feel is not because you messed up. The growth that you feel, the, uh, the tension. It's not because you messed up. It's not because you sinned. It's because God is taking new places where, where you will need to be completely dependent upon him. Because you actually need him in all those situations. It's actually your reliance upon him that actually helps you become faithful, that actually helps you obey, that actually helps you discover what you believe. The list goes on and on. It's, I'm, I'm dependent. I can't, Lord, I, I feel like I'm in this place and I can't do it without you. Exactly. Perfect. That's the spot. Stay there. Stay right there. It, it, it's, it's this weird place to be with the Lord where you know he wants to bless you and you know he wants his favor to be upon you. And, and, and that's 100% what he wants. But you know where you need blessing and you know, you know where you need favor? In hard places. You know what I don't want to do every single week? Write another message. I don't like it. And she's like, isn't that your job? Yes, it's my job. I don't like my job. <laughs> kind of kidding, kind of not. Oh, come on, like you love every bit of your job. <clears throat> it's, it's everybody. It, it's, it, Moses didn't want to do what God said. He didn't. He was like, I'm not doing it. All right, here's Aaron. Now you can do it with him. Is that better? Yeah, I guess I'll do it. You see, time and time again, there are parts, there are parts of, of following him that I don't like. My flesh doesn't like it. Oh, but I get in there when I'm preparing a message. I get in, I start to get in his presence, start to get around the word. And all of a sudden, life comes to me. And I be, because it takes me to a place, he uses my message prep to teach me all kinds of lessons. It's in these places that I become fully dependent upon him. Where are you fully dependent upon him? <clears throat> See, what I, what I want to do, I just want to be around people. Extremely extroverted, really love people. It's easy for me to kind of hang around and talk and be and do all those things. Yeah, honestly, it doesn't take a lot of faith to do that. See, there's, there's things that we, we've been gifted to do and we're passionate to do. But man, the, the church has, has kind of preached this message that if it's hard, you're not gifted, or if it's hard, you're not called to it. And I would disagree. Maybe the hard thing is the very thing you're supposed to do because it's in the hard thing that you become fully dependent. Um, try and wrap this up. As a staff, we've been reading Joseph Prince's book. It's called Destined to Reign. I have it, I have it up here. I'm going to read some out of it. We've been, I've been doing this with our staff. I've been giving them a book report 
we, uh, we've taken like, I, I had three or four chapters, my wife, all of our staff have, have like three or four chapters that they have to present to the staff um, every other week. And it's been, it's been awesome. Um, they've, it, it's, it's very, I think it's really helped grow them, grow us. We had our last staff meeting and um, we just got really, really honest. And one of them was talking about how much the tagline to this book bothered them. Because this is what it says, and I promise you it'll bother you too. It says, Destined to Rain, the secret to effortless success. Effortless success, wholeness, and victorious living. We had a discussion the other day. What do you mean? What does he mean effortless? You can't just not give effort. It was good. I, I loved every second of it. Like, what? what but you can't just not try. I kind of agreed in a lot of ways. It's like, yeah, you know what? It's, it's, it's difficult sometimes to, to, to go back and forth with this idea of like being dependent upon him, but what, what's our role? And what do you mean effortless success? Joseph Prince begins to describe these two people he describes this man who's dealing with, a, with lust, this woman who is dealing with a, a coworker that she doesn't like. And, 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 and here's, here's what it looks like to kind of get in our own self-effort when it comes to certain situations. Now, I'm sure none of you guys deal with that, and I'm sure none of you ladies deal with these, these two things. These are just, what's the word? Hypothetical situations. Y'all all love your coworkers, right? Yeah, you're not even going to shake your head yes or no. You're just giving me nothing, which tells me you don't. Okay. Um, he begins to describe what it looks like. And here's what many of us do. It, someone who, who, who is putting faith in their own self-effort, begin to pray, Lord, help me. Help me not to lust. Help me not to lust. Help me not to lust. Help me, help me to be nice. Help me, to, help me to actually like and love this person. And we pray these prayers and we go out and we do our best not to lust. We do our best not to cuss. We do our best not to, not to, not to. And this whole point is the very thing that you're focused on not doing is the thing that you're going to do. You're putting a lot of faith in your own self-effort. And then he begins to describe what it looks like to live by grace. And he gives an example of this prayer. And um, I'm, I'm gonna be honest, this, this bothered me and I want it to bother you. So let's take another Christian who has a problem with lust and anger, but, his Christian, but this Christian believes in grace. So when he wakes up, he tells the Lord, this is really about to get all over y'all, this first line, Lord, I'm not even going to try today. I know that I cannot overcome this on my own. Lord, I rest in you. You live the victorious life for me. I cannot overcome lust by my own strength. I cannot love that colleague by my own strength. My eyes are on you. Even though I cannot, I know that you can. Thank you for your grace. I will just be cool. Now imagine yourself praying that prayer. Actually, imagine yourself telling someone to pray that prayer. Hey, oh, you're dealing with that? Hey, when you wake up tomorrow, don't try. 
you'd be so mad at yourself for saying that. But what he begins to preach and what he begins to teach is that it's actually when you begin to rely on him that the power that you're looking for to do the thing you wanna do begins to get released in your life because it's grace that releases power into your life. It's being fully dependent upon him. That's what he's preaching. It's like your self-effort stinks. My self-effort, it stinks. You wanna know why? Because we're supposed to be fully dependent upon him. I need, I need to be fully dependent upon his grace. When, when I walk into that office and that person looks at me the way that she looks at me and she smiles, that dumb smile, and she makes me mad and I, I can't stand that person, it, grace is the only thing that will help you in that situation. Not you trying to like her, not you trying to like her smile, not you trying, no, no, it is, it is grace. And you get into this place where, you know what? I feel anger towards her. That person really frustrates me. But Lord, I thank you that I'm not condemned. And you know, you can, you can find me in my frustration. You can find me in my anger. Come on, am I preaching to anybody today? You can, you can find me in this place. And you don't condemn me. And you don't fill me with shame. You still see me as the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the more we realize that, the more we have the power to, overcome our flesh and overcome what does that look like it looks like desperation it looks like being fully dependent upon him this is why I love the message of Jesus the message of grace it literally says you don't get to rely on yourself isn't this what Paul was saying to us he said if anybody has a reason to be confident it's me I'm actually a real Hebrew I'm, I'm I was a Pharisee I I know the law I can quote the Torah I'm, I'm actually the man when it comes to self-effort and he came to a, think about this he came to the realization all of that doesn't mean anything in fact, he called it garbage. I'm not dependent upon my accolades. I'm not dependent upon my intelligence. I'm not dependent upon my knowledge of the word. I'm dependent upon him. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.